Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Chop Wood Carry Water. It is August 23rd, and believe it or not, this is also the 23rd episode of this podcast, where uh, we talk about a couple of easy, fast ways that you can make a difference in this world and in this country, try to make things a little bit better, and not go crazy from anxiety in the process. And that's what we do. That's why we chop wood, carry water. Because for me, taking action is the antidote to fear and anxiety. And it turns out that it seems to be that for a lot of people as well. So if you are listening for the first time, I'm really glad you're here. I also have a newsletter and a TikTok feed and an Instagram presence and all kinds of other stuff. You can find out about those at bit.ly forward slash Jess stuff. That is B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Jess stuff. And what we usually do is talk about a couple of things that went well in the previous week. And then we talk about one or two things that are going on, give a little explanation if it's helpful. And then I give you usually just one or two easy things you can do to make a difference. So that's what we're going to do today. Quick and dirty in and out, especially because, uh, you know, it's the beginning of a new school year and uh, everything's topsy-turvy and I'm sure we're all really busy. But there is a lot going on, so let's get to it. But first, we will do our gratitude list. Okay, things to be grateful for from the past week. And I'll tell you, one of these is really big for me and I will tell you why. So, the Environmental Protection Agency announced last week that it is going to block the use of the pesticide chlorpyrifos on food crops. Now, you're like, what's chlorpyrifos? What the heck? Here's the thing. Chlorpyrifos, I first heard about it in 2016, right after Trump was elected. And I was becoming, you know, as many of us were, politically engaged and paying more attention. And I don't know if you all remember Scott Pruitt, our... Um, you know, horror movie uh, starring, well, he wasn't really, but he could have been, uh, EPA head. But Scott Pruitt was terrible, and uh, the environment has always been a big issue for me, so I was paying a lot of attention to what the EPA was doing. And one of the first things that came up was this pesticide chlorpyrifos, which is a known neurotoxin and was banned in cleaning supplies and things that were in the house um, some years ago but was still being used in the tons and tons and tons and thousands of tons on our food crops, on our apples and our corn and our oats. And the Obama administration had determined that it was too dangerous to use on food and were in the process of banning it. And then Donald Trump got elected and appointed Scott Pruitt. Scott Pruitt was extremely close with the people at Dow Chemicals who make chlorpyrifos. And so Scott Pruitt and Donald Trump together decided that they were going to reverse the ban. I got a real bug in my bonnet about this, or whatever the expression is, and started sending letters to Scott Pruitt and putting those letters in my daily actions email so other people could send them as well. Chlorpyrifos is a word that I never knew before 2016, and in the year 2017, uh, I wrote it more times than I can even tell you. We put it in actions and letters all the time. And of course, it was not banned under uh, Donald Trump and Scott Pruitt. It was, you know, its usage was continued. 
But activists like me and many, many other grassroots activists and organizations kept working and we were able to get it banned in California. That was a really big deal. State elections really matter. We got it banned in, I believe, Hawaii, a couple of other states. But, you know, this idea that it had to be banned on a federal level, well, that was something that we needed to change presidential administrations uh, in order to get done. And we did. We worked really, really hard. You did, too, probably. And we elected Joe Biden and he appointed Michael Regan, who is a, you know, entirely different EPA head than Scott Pruitt. And uh, it was announced last week that they are banning the use of chlorpyrifos on food crops. Basically, about 90 percent of the usages of chlorpyrifos are going away and we'll still work on the remaining 10 percent. But this is a really big deal. This is what happens when activists, people like you and me, just that's what activists are. They're just people who get active when we don't give up and we just keep trying and we keep electing better people and calling and sending letters and, you know, whatever. And also great groups, uh, organizations worked on this for years and years and years. Um, the Pesticide Action Network is one that comes to mind. And I believe Green America was very active. There are a few of them, but Food and Water Watch. So we did this and, and it makes me feel really proud. So that's why we have a shorter gratitude list than usual this week, because I wanted to take a little extra time on chlorpyrifos. So there's that. We also had another item. A court in Alaska blocked permits for an expansive oil drilling project, citing environmental reasons. That's a big deal. We read in the news a couple of days ago that Georgia now has one of the highest voter registration rates in the country, with 95% of voting age Georgians registered to vote. 95%. Can you imagine such a thing? And everybody knows where the credit is due, right? It's Stacey Abrams and all of the other activists in the state, mostly women of color, who are doing this work. Um, but imagine if we had activists like that in every state. We could get the same thing done. Imagine if you were an activist like that. Just somebody who said, you know what, I'm going to make a change. This seems impossible, but I believe it is possible and I'm going to do it. Then maybe amazing changes could happen in other states too. So... Uh, it's so incredible. And then uh, the finest, final thing I will say is the largest expansion of voting rights in North Carolina since the 26th Amendment lowered the voting age to 18 in 1971. And the largest expansion of disproportionately black enfranchisement since the Federal Voting Rights Act of 1965 happened today, Monday the 23rd. Effective immediately, the state can no longer prevent people convicted of a state or federal felony and who are still under supervision but are not in prison from voting. That is more than 55,000 people, predominantly black and brown, who just got reenfranchised in North Carolina. This is really good news. Now we have to do the work of making sure we get those people registered to vote, but one thing at a time. We will celebrate that. And the last thing I'll say is that today we heard that the FDA has finally fully approved the Pfizer coronavirus vaccine. And that is something we should all be incredibly grateful for and in awe of the, the speed with which science did its job and researchers did their job to keep us safe is remarkable. So a lot of good news for this Monday, the 23rd. Let's uh, take that in. Think about how wonderful all that is. Take a breath in of positivity and breathe out some of the negativity and fear that we're all being faced with constantly. 
and then we'll go on to our next section. The next thing I want to talk about real quickly is, I've talked about this before, I promise I'm not going to talk about it in every single episode, but I do want to talk about the recall election in California again. Just to say, I have been very, very busy working to stop this recall with pretty much everybody I know here in Southern California in my activist community. But it's not just activists. Everybody I know is very worried about this. And I wanted to sort of revisit where we are. We talked about this when the election was just heating up, but we're really in the thick of it now. And a couple of things I'm hearing over and over again are a lot of confusion about how to fill out the ballot in California and also just a lot of apathy. I'm, I'm doing a lot of phone banking and, and it's remarkable when I do these phone calls the people I'm talking to just don't know this is happening one way or the other. And then, you know, if they do, they're kind of vague and they're a little undecided because they say they haven't done the research yet. It's not hard to do the research on whether you're going to vote yes or no on this recall because it's sort of like voting for Trump or not voting for Trump. I mean, it's it's pretty stark, right? Um but people are really, you know, busy living their lives and some of them don't even know that. And so I say all of that just to say that if you can sign up for a phone banking shift, so much of what we're doing is just sort of saying like, hi, hello, this is happening. And California has made it very easy for people to vote. There are vote by mail ballots in everybody's mailboxes. People don't have to do anything. They don't have to register. I mean, they do have to be registered, but they don't have to go anywhere. They don't even have to put a stamp on their envelope. They just need to fill out one dot, one dot. Do you think Gavin Newsom should be recalled? Yes or no? Fill out the dot next to no and you're done. If you want, people can fill out the second section and choose somebody that they think should be the governor if Gavin Newsom is replaced. As I've said before, the pickings are rather slim in this section. They're not great options for Democrats, and that was purposeful. The Democratic Party didn't want to run somebody who was a truly viable candidate because the last time they did that, it confused voters and Gray Davis got recalled. So they decided to go the other way. Like it or not, that's what they did. So what I am suggesting that people do, and you can pass this on to people you know, is just vote no in section one and then do what you want in section two. Pick a Democrat, pick, you know, some there's strategists who think that everybody should be picking the, the most moderate and sane Republican you know, the California Democratic Party wants people to leave the second half blank, and that's fine. That does not invalidate your ballot if you decide to do that. The most important thing is that everybody vote. And I will just repeat again, because it's easy to go into a fear spiral about this. We have ample voters to win, right? Gavin Newsom won his last election with 67% of the vote. He was generally a popular guy. The only problem is that... Democrats tend to snooze through special elections, and this time they can't. That's why we phone bank. That's why we write postcards. That's why we text our friends. And so no matter where you are in the country, I think we've talked before about the dangers of our losing this seat to a Republican. I've talked about the fact that we could lose our Senate majority because Dianne Feinstein is 88 years old and in declining health. If we have a Republican senator, they will get to appoint a new senator. 
should something happen to Dianne Feinstein. And we don't want that, right? They could then appoint a Republican senator. Mitch McConnell has the gavel back. None of that is good. But it's more than that. Dan Pfeiffer wrote a really interesting uh, piece about this this morning in his wonderful newsletter, The Message Box, which I highly recommend. And he said it's also about democratic morale. It's about emboldening other elected officials in other states to do the same or or voters to do the same to elected officials. It's about uh, morale going into the midterms. It's about a lot of stuff. This is it. This will hurt Biden. It will make the Democrats look weak. Like it is something we cannot lose. We can't lose. So I consider this election in its own way to be as important as the Senate elections in January and even the presidential election last November. Okay, maybe not quite as important, but pretty darn close. California is the fifth largest economy in the world. We are a predominantly Democratic state. If the Republicans pull this off here, it is going to embolden them to do all kinds of crazy stuff everywhere they can. They're already emboldened enough. Let's not let them get more emboldened. So, okay, at this point, you're like, okay, okay, I'm beaten down. What do I do? Well, I'm so glad you asked. I think I mentioned this before, but I do have this wonderful document, right? It is a uh, tiny URL. And it is tinyurl.com forward slash how to stop the recall, all lowercase, how to stop the recall. And if you go to that website, you can also access this through my link tree, by the way. Uh, And then you don't have to use the tiny URL at all. But if you go to this website, I've compiled every possible way of helping that you can imagine. And here are a few of the things you can do. If you can act fairly quickly, you can request some postcards and you can send some postcards, not only in English, you can do them in Spanish, you can do them in Mandarin, you can do them in Tagalog, you can do them in Vietnamese. There's a few different languages. You can uh, make some phone calls. Like I said, we're mostly calling registered Democrats. So this is as far as phone banking goes, this is pretty gentle and easy. You can send some texts, but really the best thing you can do is take five or 10 minutes and compose an email. And if you don't want to compose one, there's some great templates in that same document for emails you can send to your friends that live in California, just to remind them what the stakes are, remind them this election is happening, remind them that the ballot should be in their mailbox. And if it's not, they can still go vote in person and just ask them to please do this thing for you. There is nothing more powerful than one person talking to a friend or family member and encouraging them to do something like this. They will listen to you before they will listen to me, the random volunteer calling them on the phone. Okay, so tinyurl.com, how to stop the recall. Please check out this document, share it, volunteer for something, do something. This is a this is an all hands on deck moment where we should be able to win. And honestly, if we don't, shame on us because we've got all the resources, all the people. We just need to all get busy and spread the word. Okay, so um, that is the end of that little section. And then I've got one more quick action for you to take and we'll be done. All right, let's try to keep this short today. I'll be right back. Okay, this next section requires a little bit of a preface. So one of my kind of early super fun TikTok success stories, which was not my success at all. It was the success of 
a group effort, was back in around December when I heard from somebody, I don't even remember who, that uh, before Joe Biden was sworn in, ICE was trying to deport uh, some families. There were 28 families. They had numerous young children amongst them. And they were trying to deport them before Joe Biden got sworn in. And all of them were coming from countries where, should they be sent back, most likely they would be killed. Um, it was a very serious situation. And somebody reached out to me, a couple of different organizations that work helping aspiring Americans, and asked if I could help amplify that they needed phone calls to be made to a couple of Congress members and, you know, a couple different places. And I made a TikTok about it. And it went viral. And we drove, I don't even know how many, I think it was in the, like, many, many, many thousands, maybe 10,000 phone calls to these Congress members about these people. And there were many factors that, that uh, you know, made a difference. But these people, almost all of them, were saved. They were not sent back to their home countries. And in some cases, they were on the plane on the tarmac. And the plane was stopped and American officials came on and pulled them off and let them stay. So I was talking to somebody in one of those organizations recently and they said, we're convinced that all of your TikTok people are one of the reasons that happened. And it really reminded me, again, of just how powerful amplification is. Just simple amplification. Just getting people to understand a situation and make a quick call. And when enough people do that, as these folks were explaining to me... The elected representatives you're calling are like, well, you know, this is really, I have to pay attention to this. Like, this is, my phone is ringing off the hook. I have to, people obviously care about this. And and that was a really amazing and thrilling moment for me and everybody else who called and, and for the people who were working to save these people. So fast forward to last week, I got a call from the people at one of those organizations. It's an organization called Shutdown Burks. And their entire, you know, sort of purpose in life, among other things, they help aspiring Americans, but they work to shut down a detention facility in Berks County, Pennsylvania. Um, it's called the Berks Detention Center. And for a long time, since 2001, it was a family detention center where they detained children as young as two weeks old, because, you know, that's a thing that apparently we do. Lots of families, lots of kids. And it was known to be a really awful place. A couple of their families were in those those 28 families. They, they were part of that group. And that's how we all got to know each other. Well, now Burke's Detention Center is uh, it's currently uh, empty, right? Under enormous pressure from activists and, and regular citizens, they shut it down as a family detention center in February. Unfortunately, this week... The Republican-dominated uh, town council of Berks County, or the county council, uh, the supervisors, just voted to transition it into a women's detention center. Now, this is really bad. First of all, it's not the immigration policy that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris promised the American people, right? We're supposed to be shutting these places down. And secondly, we know that in other detention centers for women that are run by ICE, such as there's one called the Hutto Detention Center in Texas. There's been pervasive sexual abuse, uh, retaliation, medical neglect, nutritional deprivation, like these places are horrible, right? And if you think about it, 
We know that ICE uh, officers are, many of them are white supremacists, many of them are misogynists. You put them in charge of 100 women who are already traumatized from coming from very difficult situations in their home countries, you know, powerless, in detention, hoping to get asylum, and there is just a lot of room for horrible things to happen. So the folks at Shutdown Burks are working very, very hard to stop this from happening. Unfortunately, the Republicans in the town are for this center becoming a women's center because the town makes over a million dollars a year from ICE when they cooperate with them and let them run a detention center there. So they are not going to be any help. But the person who can help is President Biden and the Biden administration, who can actually shut this place down right away, right now. So what the folks at Shutdown Burks have asked us to do is make two phone calls and send one email. The phone calls are to Representatives uh, Nadler, who is the chair of the House Judiciary Committee, and Representative Lofgren, who is the chair of the Immigration Subcommittee. And they're also asking us to call a woman named Angela Kelly, who's senior immigration counselor. But I found her voicemail to be full, so I actually got her email address and wrote an email instead. And I've made it really easy for other folks to send this email because I created a little, you know, bit.ly link in an auto-populating email. So what we're asking is if folks can call these two people and send this one email. Now, the email is really easy to send because, like I said, I made a tiny URL for it. So you can go to tinyurl.com forward slash no Burks. No, like N-O, and then Burks, B-E-R-K-S. Um, so you can go to tinyurl.com, no Burks, and it will auto-populate the email. All you need to do is add a sentence about why you care about uh, asylum seekers, and then add your name and city at the bottom. You'll see it's very self-explanatory. These letters really make a difference, particularly when they're personalized. I cannot emphasize that enough. If it's not personalized, it just looks like a form letter and they will disregard it. But if you add even a sentence to, to, to help them see that a real person filled it out, they'll take it seriously. And then the phone calls to those representatives, these are representatives who in the past have indicated that they wanted to fight for asylum seekers and uh, they know a lot of people at DHS and they have a lot of influence. So they have asked us to make these two phone calls and send this one email and in case you're wondering where the phone numbers are, instead of listing them here, I am going to tell you that you can either go to my link tree, and that was at bit.ly forward slash Jess page, and look at one of the top tabs, says shut down Burks, click on that and you'll find everything you need. Or I made another tiny URL. Can you tell I have a little bit of a problem with these tiny URLs? I love them. Tinyurl.com forward slash Burks doc. B-E-R-K-S-D-O-C. Have you figured out that when you listen to this podcast, you need a pen and paper? I guess that's just the case. I will put all of these links in the show notes, as it were, but there they are. So you can go to tinyurl.com forward slash noburks and send the email, or you can go to tinyurl.com forward slash burks doc, and you can get everything, including the link to send the email. So probably just do the second one. And that'll be your little um, action for the week. And you know what? It will make a huge difference. Maybe we will get another miracle story like we did with the Save the 28. So that is it for this week on actions and other stuff. I'm just going to take a breath here and then I'll send you out. 
I close with this. Uh, this weekend I worked through the weekend and uh, usually I try to take at least one day off a week and, and this week in the last seven days I have not. And I was reminded because I started to get in quite a funk last night. I was irritable. I was sad. I was, you know, not in the best of spirits. And I was reminded how incredibly important it is to fill the well. And for all of us going through these very stressful times that we live in, this is stressful. We are, our, our democracy is under assault. Our voting rights are under assault. Our, our climate is, you know, in trouble. There's just so many things going on, right? So I want to encourage you to take the pauses. I, I learned from my example. Don't skip them. Don't run yourself ragged because, you know, this is a, uh, this is a marathon, right? It's not a sprint. This is going to go on probably for the rest of our lives. So let's learn to keep activism in its right place in our life where we do it, but we don't let it do us in. So I'm going to take a little bit of time to rest today and I hope you will as well. And then I hope that you will wake up tomorrow morning and chop wood, carry water again with me. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you all had a really good week and are hanging in there with everything going on. I promise I will be back next week if you will. Thank you to my wonderful producer, Renee Colvert. Thank you to all of you who comment and, and let me know how much you love this podcast. It means a lot to me. We are a wonderful, strong army, and together we can move mountains. So let's do that again, and I'll see you next week. Bye. We're invincible.